So there's no particular scripture tonight, a particular passage. I'm going to preach from various passages from the Bible, different texts. And as you see on the screen, uh, tonight's personal problem that I'm dealing with is schizophrenia and personality disorders. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you have commanded us in your word. We should preach the word in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. You've told us that we should speak your word not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. I pray that the word would come with your gentleness and authority, with your power and might, with your tenderness and love, and that you would open our ears to hear the word as spoken from heaven by the living God, that we might receive this, the implanted word that is able to save our souls, and receive this word not as the word of men, but for that which it really is, the word of God that works in us as believers. Amen. Now that word schizophrenia, schizophrenia in Afrikaans, it comes from two Greek words, schizo and phrenos. So schizo, or phren at least, schizo means to, to split and phren means the mind. So it means the mind is split, a divided mind, a split personality is, as some people might say. So what is schizophrenia and what does it look like? Well, there are different symptoms, uh, for instance, hallucinations. So you see things that aren't really there, pink elephants walking in a circle. You saw that in Dumbo. <laughs> or, um, or perhaps hearing voices or being antisocial, withdrawing from people, or thinking and believing and convincing yourself that you are exceptionally talented or famous, while it's nothing of the sort, or showing no emotion, speaking in a monotone voice and just staring in front of you, perhaps being in a catatonic state. Now, People who study these kinds of things, psychiatrists and others, would say this is a, is actually one website said this, this is a brain illness, this is a brain sickness. But they have absolutely zero proof to back it up. No proof. No tests back it up to show it is a brain illness. In fact, there was a conference a number of years ago in Phoenix, Arizona in, in the United States as a conference for an, a bunch of psychiatrists, 7,000 psychiatrists attended the conference. Three out of four said there exists no such thing as schizophrenia. One of them, uh, Scottish psychiatrists, psychiatrists uh, R.D. Lang, Lang said, schizophrenia did not exist until the word was invented. Another psychiatrist on, a, a psychiatrist on the, another occasion, uh, American psychiatrist Carl Menninger said, schizophrenia is just a nice Greek word. All right, what do we make of personality disorders? Well, there are many different kinds of personality disorders. 
and you will see it come to the fore or manifest it in different people in different ways. So there's not only one set of symptoms when it comes to personality disorders. Uh, here are a number of symptoms for the different kinds of disorders. For instance, people will be very suspicious. You just say something. You just look at them. You just turn in their direction and smile and they're suspicious. What is he thinking about me? What is that person? What are they uh, saying or doing behind my back? Uh, they're very antisocial, some of them. Some of them have magic thoughts. So they think they can control you with their minds. Um, who of you saw... Uh, a testimony by a man called by a man called David Wood. Peter sent this to us. You remember David Wood's testimony where he, he thought he's got these this magical thinking, he can actually control people, and he thought he can communicate with the ants, they've got a secret language, and these ants are really controlling the world. They they're fooling us. And they they think he doesn't know, but he knows. The rest of us don't. But he knew it's the ants controlling the world. Uh, unstable relationships. Uh, an excessive fear of being alone. I don't want to be alone. Pe I need people and other people on the other hand. Then antisocial. People who are excessively emotional. It's like they're clingy and they weigh out their emotions and they, they want attention all the time. And then people who are um, narcissists. Narcissists are people who are very arrogant and very self-centered, self-focused and proud. And they don't have the ability to show empathy. You're going through a hard time, they don't care. It's your problem, buddy. You deal with it. Uh, some of them in these personality disorders, they'll walk into a room and think, all of you are judging me. I know it. I remember my brother-in-law. You could just look at him and say, hey, stop judging me. <laughs> but he was joking. Uh, but this is real. Some people really feel this way and think this way. Or hyper-perfectionist. Now, I'm going to preach on that next week. OCD. So psychiatrists will tell you personality disorders, there's a chemical in the brain uh, that malfunctions, uh, it misfires and things aren't right up there and there's no solution to the problem. Once again, they have no proof of that. Did they, did they take a brain scan? Did they draw blood? Did they do x-rays? Did they do some other tests on you, medical tests to actually show you? Or did they take out their psychiatrist Bible called the DSM-5? And so you have the symptoms, you've got the symptoms, right, that's your disorder. It's not a medical problem. So what is the diagnosis and what causes this and what is the solution uh, to schizophrenia and personality disorders? Now there are a number of causes. We're going to go through them. So please don't walk out and get up and storm out the church because uh, just give me a chance, let me finish the sermon and then you storm out. <laughs> okay, so first cause is demons. Demons. Uh, a man called Elliot Warburton, an Irishman who traveled and uh, a guy who wrote these things in his journal, after visiting the Middle East, and especially Israel, he came back and he recorded this. He said, as he was in the north of Israel, and he was on his horse, he entered a cemetery, and all of a sudden, he heard this howling in the night. And it wasn't an animal, it was a human. And there was this guy between the graves, between the two stones, naked. And he was fighting with some wild dogs over a bone. And suddenly, when the guy saw him, he said this guy came with rapid strides running toward him. 
and he grabbed with a very powerful grip. He said a superhuman strength. He got hold of the horse's bit and bridle and he almost pushed the guy over the cliff. And the guy turned the horse and he thought of shooting this man, but he hit him with the butt of his gun, with the butt of his pistol. And the guy was stunned and he said, I was just in time to get my horse going to get away before the guy recovered his senses. Now you see, see the same kind of thing in Mark chapter 5. You remember the demon-possessed man uh, with uh, some couple of thousand demons inside of him? You remember the demons going into the pigs? But these demons inside of the man, this man also superhuman strength, this man also howling and yelling and screaming, living among the tombs, walking around without clothes, uh, naked, and that's where he lives. And then you see a different personality. In this man, it's not his personality. Antisocial, cuts himself with, with sharp, pieces, sharp stones. Uh, you see the same kind of irrational behavior in the Old Testament with King Saul. Do you remember that? Remember King Saul and this, this evil spirit comes upon him. We read in, in 1 Samuel 16 verse 14, 1 Samuel 18 verse 10 and 11. And as the evil spirit comes upon King Saul... It's like he goes ballistic. He goes nuts. He just grabs the nearest object. He has a spear next to him and he tries to pin David to the wall. And that happens in 1 Samuel 18 and 1 Samuel 19. So this evil spirit really uh, gets a grip of him. And then he goes even more nuts. You see Saul hunting David down. David has done nothing to him. But he's hunting him down. He's going to get David. And David escapes. And then again King Saul hears David's there. And then he hunts him down. And he won't stop. So what is the solution in a case like that? If a person like this demon-possessed man is like he's got two personalities or King Saul, now he's fine and then he just goes nuts. What is the solution? The solution is not a psychiatrist. It's not going to an institution. The solution in a case like that is Jesus Christ must deliver that person from the evil one. Jesus Christ must intervene. By His power, and that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Like Jesus, remember Jesus cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene, Luke chapter 8, verse 2. And also, of course, prayer, the gospel and prayer, where Jesus said to the, remember that the disciples couldn't cast out that demon. They said, why, Lord? Jesus says this kind of demon, they won't go out except through fasting and prayer. Some translations don't put fasting as different manuscripts, but definitely through persevering prayer. So that's the solution in that case. The second reason for uh, personality disorders and schizophrenia is bitterness. More than a decade ago, a man I know left his wife. But this man too, it was like he was out of his mind. And it wasn't like that. This was a gentle man, a nice man. And all of a sudden, he leaves his wife he runs away, he flees from his house, 450 k's, then he comes back, then the police chase him, he's running across the railway lines in some part of the East Rand, and eventually I get the chance to speak to him over the phone, and he says these words to me, I am bitter, I am bitter, I am bitter. 28 years of marriage with major problems that wasn't known to anyone else so it seemed right on the surface one personality here but on the other hand things just got out of hand and this is exactly what you see with the very same king Saul 
He was consumed with hatred and jealousy and bitterness toward David. 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 79. You remember when, when David had now killed the giant Goliath and then King Saul, he hears the woman singing, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul is so bitter and angry. And this is where it starts stewing and brewing. And then the evil spirit doesn't help, does it? Um, and then Saul, Saul is totally irrational. Not only does he try to kill David, he tries to kill his own son, Jonathan. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, he takes a spear and hurls it at his own son. And then King Saul slaughters 85 innocent priests. They've done nothing to him. He kills them all in 1 Samuel 22. And then you see the, here comes the personality disorders. So he's hunting David, hunting David, hunting David. Eventually, when David sees him, so now he's after David to kill him. And then David says, what have I done to you? And then he starts crying, I'm sorry, David, I'm so wrong, you're right, please forgive me, I've sinned. And then David doesn't trust him, David sneaks off, and then Saul hunts him again. And then the next time David sees him, what have I done? What have I done to you? And then King Saul, oh, I'm so sorry, David, you're right, I'm wrong. And then again hunts him, till David flees to another country because he sees things are not going to work out well for him. Where are some of the kids' club? Well, I'm glad they came to church. I don't know where they're going. They're off now. Um, so, so what's the solution for that kind of? What's the solution for that kind of behavior? The solution is not to go to a psychiatrist. The solution is that again, Jesus must, Jesus must intervene in a life like that and save that person who hates other people like that. Save that person who is so bitter toward others and will not forgive them. And he must come and change him from someone who hates into someone who loves. And that person then by the power of Christ and by the power of the Spirit must forgive others as God has forgiven him through Jesus. Third cause of schizophrenia, personality disorders, is fear. My grandfather in the final years of his life, started getting dementia. And for kids, dementia means you forget and you say funny things. So my grandfather got dementia and he would sit in the couch and right behind him is the window. And then he would slouch. And he would go right down and almost lie on his back in the couch. And he would say, close these curtains, close these curtains. They're watching me, they're watching me. So there's a fear. And you find this with personality disorders you find people who are so suspicious and so afraid, if they find a coin on the ground, one, one author said, if they just find a coin on the pavement, they'll think someone planted it here on purpose to drive me nuts, to drive me crazy. And so they're so suspicious. I met a woman who lives in the East Rand. This woman is a major conspiracy theory person. So major that there's a certain shop in the East Rand where you may have shopped. And she thinks that shop, they take all the nutrients out of the pronutro because they want to kill us all. Living in fear. Now sometimes the fear is not, uh, the fear is not in your imagination. Sometimes the fear is real. You remember King David in 1 Samuel 21? So he's running away from Saul, and this is 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 to 15. He's running away from Saul, 
And where does he run? To the land of the Philistines, to the city called Gath. Who came from Gath? Goliath. And what is David doing in Goliath's city with Goliath's sword? Just the previous verse says he's got Goliath's sword with him. Now these Philistines, I mean, he killed, he killed their superhero. He killed a, their giant. And now David's fled to the wrong city, running away from Saul, and they recognize him. They say, this is David. They capture him. They take him to their king and say, your majesty, look who we found. <laughs> and so David is now very afraid. What does he do? He lets the spit run down his beard on purpose, slobbering, acting like he's crazy. And then he takes sharp objects and he writes funny stuff on the doors. And so his trick works. And the king says, I've got enough crazy people. I don't need him. Let him go. And so they do let him go. All right. So once again, you have an example of not a psychiatric problem. In this case, you've got someone faking it because he's afraid. He's afraid. There's a modern example of this uh, written by Jay Adams. So Jay Adams is a biblical, was a biblical counselor in the United States. He's uh, in heaven now. Jay Adams writes a story of a man called Steve. And so Steve was in, in an institution. And also this bizarre behavior, personality disorder or schizophrenia, and Jay Adams says to him, Steve, I know there's nothing wrong with you. And if you keep on behaving like this, we cannot help you. Do you want to stay in this institution for the rest of your life? Then you better start working with us. And so eventually, after a few days of counseling, or perhaps a few weeks, this Steve, he says, you're right, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm faking it. And Jay Adams says, right, tell us a story. What happened? So this Steve, from a young age, if he... If if he got into trouble, he would just disappear. And they would, would go looking for him, don't know where he is. And then later on, he would start faking crazy behavior. And so when he got to university, he didn't study. And so he started failing exams and not handing in assignments. So he would get pink slips. And now, how's he going to face his parents? They're paying for these studies. And so what he does he started faking it. Started faking and just, you know, sitting like this and staring and whatever David did, slobbering, I don't know. And, and then when people started suspecting, this guy's faking it, he made it even worse to try and convince them. In the end, long story short, he ends up in the institution. His parents come and visit him and he feels terrible. He feels very guilty because he knows he's faking it and they're feeling sorry for him. And so Jay Adams says, right, You've got a choice now. Either you go home and face the music or you stay in this institution for the rest of your life. And so in his case, he wasn't mentally disturbed. This was not a personality disorder. This was not schizophrenia. In his case, it was fear and guilt and shame. So again, what do you do? What is the solution if the cause of a personality disorder is fear? The solution is not camouflage. The solution is not to fake it till you make it. And then people think, oh, this guy's got some mental illness. The solution is what David did later on. Because David did escape from the land of the Philistines. And then he wrote Psalm 34 and he wrote Psalm 56. And he said, this man, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. 
This poor man told the Lord all his troubles. This poor man said, Lord, help. I'm very afraid. But then this Lord, the Lord taught him to fear the Lord and not fear me. That's the solution. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fourth cause of personality disorders and schizophrenia is abuse and rejection. I read a story this week about a lady called Leslie Dickerson. Now, this was written by an American psychiatrist at Yale University. And he said, this, this Leslie, this woman, from a young age, she felt rejected by her parents. And then she gave herself to a life of alcohol and drugs. She thought she got addicted. And eventually she went into a, a life of hospitalization and going into institutions and even shock therapy. And then she got pregnant. And when the baby girl was born, she thought, I must do something. I must do something to come right. The social workers are going to take this baby away from me. And so she turned for the first time in her life to Jesus Christ. And she called on him to save her. And he did. And she said, he washed away all my sins with his blood. And he saved me and he changed me. And this article was written 10 years later. Never again did she go to a psychiatrist. It wasn't necessary. The Lord transformed her from the inside out, changed her into a new creature in Christ, a new person in the Lord Jesus. And then uh, she, she wrote of how every morning she would spend time with the Lord in prayer. She joined a local church and got involved in a church and raised, raised these two children uh, for the Lord. Another person I know, also, same kind of thing, and this was borderline personality disorder as it's diagnosed, and it's called, in this article, the psychiatrist's nightmare, because they don't know how to deal with these people. And eventually, they, it's like they want to push these people away. They're too difficult to work with, and it's incurable. You can't help these people. There's no hope for them. So another person I know, same kind of thing. Grew up in a, a very abusive home, sexually abused by her stepfather, uh, abused physically and verbally by her mother. And then at the age of seven, such a young age, just thought, I do not want to live anymore. And eventually things went from bad to worse. It went to a life uh, at a, a teenage, uh, as a teenager, uh, a life of uh, immorality, a life of later on drugs, uh, and then hard drugs, and alcohol, and drunkenness. And no hope, no hope. And eventually, uh, life, the immorality continued, and then drugs continued, and addictions continued, and uh, broken relationships, and eventually a life spiraling down to depression. Very bad depression, hopelessness, uh, more attempts to commit suicide. Uh, one time when she was still in school, the suicide was almost successful, but she was found and and woke up in hospital. And also then, long story short, in the end, diagnosed borderline personality disorder. And some years later, actually quite a number of years later, God intervened. And God saved her. And God turned her into a new person. Her sins were forgiven. And she found grace then to forgive those 
who had so ill-treated her, even her stepfather who sexually abused her. Now, is there someone here tonight you feel rejected? Someone here who is being abused? Someone who was abused as a child, abused in the past, and you cannot forget that. Someone here saying, I do not even know who I am. Who am I really? What is my identity? The solution once more, not psychiatry. The solution is, you must be born again. And as soon as you're born again, the Lord changes you into a new person. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you are justified. God accepts you as His child. God adopts you into His family. Justified, when I say justified, I mean the moment you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, God no longer sees you as this confused person. Who am I? No, you are a new creature in Christ. Through the new birth, you are someone who is now covered in the blood of Christ, covered with the righteousness of Christ, God accepts you as perfect as His own Son. Fifth cause of these problems is pride. Now there was a, a man who came to see me a number of years ago, and he, was a, he told me he's a narcissist. A narcissist, uh, as I said earlier, narcissism is just extremely self-focused, everything, it's so self-centered, the world, world revolves around me, and what this guy did, he, he made his, the life of his wife and his child hell, hell on earth, and they had a terrible time with this man, eventually the woman left him, she got divorced, and so he came to see me and told me his, uh, of his problems, and all of his conversation was all about him. Now a guy like that, that self-centeredness, if you're so proud and so filled and puffed up with pride, eventually you can't even think straight because God gives you over to a life of your, this is what you want, self-centeredness. God can give you over to that and you think you're so twisted in your thinking. It seems like, again, this is like a personality disorder. You two people or three people or five people. Uh, you got an example of this in the Bible in King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 4. He's such a proud king. He thinks so much of himself. And look at my success. Look at the great Babylon that I have built in this great kingdom. And Daniel warned him. Actually, God warned him through a dream. And Daniel interpreted the dream. But eventually, after a year, God did give him over to his own pride. And he couldn't even think straight. He started thinking like an animal. And so there he is in the, in the field, eating grass like a cow for seven periods of time. I don't know. Is that seven months, seven years? Who knows? But... But for seven periods of time, he's like this animal. Uh, and doesn't it say in Luke chapter 1, let me actually, I don't even have to read it, I know it. Luke 1 verse 51, and you can check this. It says, God scatters the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He scatters their thinking. They can't think straight. And you've got this personality problem where they don't properly know who they are. So what is the solution to this? The solution again, get to the root. Get to the root. Don't just call it a personality disorder. Get to the root. In this case, the root is pride. And so you need to deal with pride. This person needs to see himself in the light of who God is. The great God of heaven. The majestic one. The king. And so that's what Nebuchadnezzar does. Eventually he lifts up his eyes and he acknowledges the majesty on high. God does whatever He wishes among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. 
And when Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the greatness and the glory and the majesty of God, then Nebuchadnezzar understands, I am little. I am not great like I think I am. I am under this Lord and under this God. So you need to see the greatness of God first. And then you see, I am small. And you humble yourself before the Lord and see yourself in the light of the cross. Because when you come to the cross and you really see what Christ did, you cannot be proud. Because you know that was for my sin. It was for my evil, my wickedness. That Christ paid the penalty on that cross and suffered and died. And you see yourself in the light of that and all you can do is beat on your chest and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Sixth cause of these disorders. Toxins. Toxins. Now, for kids who don't know, what is toxins? Poison. <laughs> Poison. So a lady not long ago told me that her son hears voices. He hears voices in his head. And then she also said that he got involved on the fringe in some kind of occultic stuff, satanic stuff. And he's using drugs. Now, are you not going to hear voices in your head if you get involved in that stuff? Doesn't it say in Proverbs 23, verse 33a, it says about the drunk man, the, the guy who keeps on drinking alcohol, it says, your eyes will see strange things. Yeah, you're going to see the pink elephants walking in a circle. You're going to see that stuff. Now, unfortunately, that's not always your fault. It's not always your fault that you've got these hallucinations and see strange things and hear voices. Because that can happen even by using prescription medication. The doctor prescribed the medicine and it doesn't quite gel lacquer. It doesn't quite work with you. And so you start seeing things and hallucinating. Um, I remember I told you this example where I visited one of our church members. And the lady, when I walked in, she says, Pastor, there's squirrels running up my legs. They got squirrels here. <laughs> so she saw squirrels. It wasn't there. It was because of the medication. Um, so you start hallucinating, hear things, see things that aren't there, or maybe you work in a factory and there are toxins, there are fumes and there are gases and you inhale these things and then you start seeing funny things. Uh, so that's also a possibility. In a case like that, you need to get to a doctor. You need to see a doctor and if it's not by accident but it's on purpose and you're addicted to stuff, maybe even prescription medication and you get addicted to these stuff or street drugs or alcohol, what is the solution? Not a psychiatrist. The solution is Psalm 107 verse 10 to 16. Jesus Christ can break the prison doors open. God can break the bars of this prison and he can set you free from the bondage, from the chains. Or Romans chapter 6, again, where you are set free, where you die with Christ, you're buried with Christ, you are raised with Christ into a new life. And then when you're raised with Jesus, sin will have no dominion over you. Sin is not your boss. Why? You've got a new boss. What is his name? Jesus. Seventh cause of these disorders is physical problems. Now, a woman in 
I've got a, a colleague, another pastor, a woman in his church, a very dear lady, a Christian lady, and then she suddenly she started swearing. And she started losing her temper with people and yelling at them and swearing at them. And they discovered she's got, if I remember correctly, a tumor on the brain. Uh, another case, a guy that I know was in an accident, a very serious motor accident. He was in a coma for a long time. I went to visit him in Pretoria in the hospital, the ICU at uh, a state hospital. And when he came out, he had brain damage, uh, head injury, serious head injury, but not brain damage to the extent that he can't talk, but he can't, he can't work anymore. And this guy suddenly started being very aggressive. So aggressive that people push him away. They don't want to... Can he somli of me Another example of a physical problem where personality changes. A colleague of mine, again, who's in the tell. His wife, she's a very dear lady, and him and her are madly in love. They're both over 60 years old, and they've got a very happy marriage. And just suddenly one day, they at a swimming pool, if I remember the detail... And she, it's like she gets angry at him and she starts saying all kinds of things. And he thought, this is not my wife. This is not normal. Even saying bad things to him. So he gets her to a doctor and she's got serious hormone problems and thyroid problems. All right. Now, uh, Robert Smith, a medical doctor, I've got the book on my shelf. He writes that there are many things that can cause these personality changes. I mean physically now. Personality changes or... Uh, uh, bizarre behavior, near abnormal optria. For instance, a tumor on the brain, or a head injury, or Huntington's disease that also that's got to do with the brain, or Alzheimer's can cause that. We all know that. Hormone changes can do that. Even epilepsy. I was an epileptic, and I got epileptic fits when I was in the primary school. I remember one epileptic fit. I got the fit, and I was just like, an in, like you're in a catatonic state. You just stand and stare. And the burglar bars at the school I was at did this. It's like they're moving. So that is possible. Now, the, the problem becomes, and this is the problem my colleague had, how can an illness override the work of the Holy Spirit? How can a sickness cause someone to sin? It's like they got the tumor on the brain or epilepsy or whatever. How can that cause you to do things you wouldn't normally do? Swear at people and use perverse language and that kind of thing. Actually, I'm of the opinion that it's not the sickness causing it. I'm of the opinion that our hearts are sinful. We're all sinners. And what that does, for instance, the head injury, that just brings out what's already in the heart. Sickness can't put sin inside of you. Let me give an example of this. Alzheimer's. So Alzheimer's, people who start forgetting... Alzheimer's, if you suddenly start making perverse remarks at women, sexual remarks, that's not the Alzheimer's putting it inside of you. That was in the heart in the first place. You don't know my heart. None of you sitting here this evening knows what's really in my heart and my thoughts. So now Alzheimer's come, and suddenly I say things, and to you it's a shock saying, it's like he's losing his temper and using swear words. You don't know if that was in my heart in the first place, thinking that and I just suppressed it. And now the Alzheimer's comes and I don't distinguish anymore between what is private and what is public, what is reality and what is not. Alcohol does the same thing. 
Again, Proverbs 23 verse 33b. It says your heart will utter perverse things if you're drunk. You're going to say stupid stuff if you're drunk. That stupid stuff, the alcohol didn't put it in your, in your mouth, in your head or in your heart. Those things were in your heart. The alcohol just loosens the tongue, loosens the lips. And now you say the things that no one knew was inside. And so I'm of the same opinion with these kinds of things. Uh, especially I'm talking about when it comes to sin. Not saying silly stuff like squirrels running up my legs. Uh, but actually doing and saying sinful stuff. And then also physical problems. It might be a problem with hearing. It might be a problem with sight. So if you've got a person with very sharp hearing, very acute hearing, they can hear. You're in a room, they can hear two, room, two rooms on what people are talking. They've got acute and sharp hearing. You don't hear it and they tell you, I'm hearing voices. They are hearing voices. <laughs> you and I don't hear it. Uh, or, or sight, where the colors are extra bright or extra dull. You say, oh, you've got a psychiatric problem. They don't. They've got a visual or perception problem. They need to go and see a doctor. So that can be sorted out. And that problem can be addressed. Second last, the eighth cause of these problems is a guilty conscience. These disorders. So Wayne Mack, my, my counseling lecturer, my counseling teacher, he told us a story. He counseled a man for schizophrenia. This bizarre behavior, weird behavior, running when no one is chasing you and you think everyone's following you, that kind of thing. So what, ha what had happened was there's a man in the United States and he's married to an Italian woman. But it was a bad marriage and he treated his wife very badly. An abusive guy. I don't know if it was physical abuse or not, but a very abusive guy. And eventually he sees dump trucks, us lorries. So the garbage trucks. And he's in New York. And the mafia control that. So he thinks, it's my in-laws. I'm married to an Italian. She told her family we got marriage problems. I'm abusing her. Now they've put the mafia on me and they're chasing me. And so everywhere he goes, he sees the dump trucks, the garbage trucks. So he runs away and he goes to Las Vegas. Don't go to Vegas if you're running from the mafia. <laughs> That's the wrong place to go. So there he ends up, oh, the mafia's everywhere. So he flees and he runs away and he moves to Los Angeles. And this is where he meets Wayne Mack. He goes to Los Angeles and one day he had just been there a while. So he's sitting outside on the stoop or they probably call it the veranda, outside on the porch, and a limousine pulls up in the street. And the tinted window, and the guy looks at him, and the guy drives off. Thought, they found me. And so he gets to Wayne Mack, meets up for counseling, and after a lot of questioning, Wayne Mack finds out, this guy hasn't got schizophrenia. This is not a mental illness. This guy's got a guilty conscience because he's been wicked and now he's running away from himself. He's running when no one is chasing him. Proverbs 28 verse 1. The wicked flees when no one pursues. And so that was the issue with this man. That's why he's paranoid. He's paranoid. Someone's following me. People are watching me. All that kind of nonsense. Like Adam in the Garden of Eden, right? After him and Eve sin, they're hiding between the trees. And God just says, where are you? God didn't accuse him. God didn't say, Adam, I need to deal with you. 
Only thing God said is, where are you? And he starts defending himself before God has even accused him. So what's the solution to the schizophrenia or the personality disorder? It's not psychiatry. The solution there is you need a clear conscience. And the only way where you can have a clear conscience is if your guilt is dealt with. You don't get rid of guilty feelings just by blocking it out. I'm going to just numb it with alcohol or drugs or, or go to sleep or, or play lots of sport to try and forget about this. The way to deal with a guilty conscience is to get rid of the actual guilt, the thing you did wrong. And the only way that can be dealt with is through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9 verse 14, Hebrews 10 verse 22, Jesus cleanses us from a guilty conscience, from an evil conscience. The blood of Christ alone can deal with it. You need to confess your sin and say, I have sinned. Please forgive me. You need to call on the Lord for a clear conscience. 1 Peter 3 verse 21. And finally, number nine, cause of these disorders is the sinful nature. A sinful nature. Now, Jay Adams, I referenced earlier, Jay Adams, he's the guy who brought biblical counseling back on the map. He said, nonsense with all of this psychology and psychiatry. We need to get back to the scriptures to show people God can help you. And so many people accuse Jay Adams saying, yes, with Jay Adams, everything is sin. There's no real problem. Everything is just sin. We've done something wrong. That's not quite true. Although I want to say, what is the greatest cause of our problems in this life? Well, either it's Adam's sin or someone else's sin against you or your own sin. But somewhere sin comes into the picture. And the same goes for these personality disorders or schizophrenia. You just look at the symptoms I mentioned. A lot of those symptoms are sin. Either people sinning against you, rejecting you and abusing you, or you doing sin against others and against God, first and foremost. I mean, just think of the narcissist. This guy is so self-focused, he thinks he's this hero, everyone loves him, he's the center of the universe. That is sin. And a lot of the other symptoms are sin. So this is not then caused by the brain. This is caused by the sinful nature. Well, in this case at least, I gave you all the other causes, but in this case it's caused by the sinful nature. Every single unbeliever has got a personality problem. Everyone. It says in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 3, it says that the heart of man is evil and madness is in their hearts while they live on this earth. Everyone is crazy, he's saying. People are mad. You, you just look at Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 18, the kinds of things. There's no one who seeks God. No one who's righteous. No one who does good, does good. Their heart is full of evil, full of curses and bitterness in their mouths. It's poison like they're chasing sin, like they want to shed blood. They don't fear God. You look at, remember last week's text, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the flesh. Just look at that list, the works of the flesh. Drunkenness, sexual immorality, anger. Uh, division, fighting with other people. That is madness. That's a personality problem. So don't just say personality disorders, these certain people. Every unbeliever has got a personality disorder, a personality problem, and even Christians. And when I say Christians, I mean every one of us. Because Paul says, the, the text I read last week, Galatians 5 verse 17, 
the spirit and the flesh are against each other. They're fighting. Romans 7, Yosha read it to us uh, last Sunday night. Romans 7, Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't. What's wrong with me? I don't understand my own actions. Yes, there's a personality disorder. There's fighting inside. I want to do what is right, but it's like the sinful nature fights back. Yeah, there's the war inside. So what's the solution? You know what the solution is not, right? Okay, thanks. So what is the solution? The solution is Jesus Christ. Jesus comes, and even for the Christian, when there's this war inside, it's a process. We have to become more and more like Jesus, more and more like Jesus, growing like trees, growing spiritually. And you bear fruit, and then He cuts you, and you go through trials, and you bear more fruit. And then He cuts you, and then you're in the Word, and then you're under the preaching, and then you backslide, and then He disciplines you, and He brings you back, and you grow more. So it's a process of becoming progressive sanctification, becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The answer does not lie with psychiatry. Even psychiatrists, they themselves acknowledge we don't have the answer. This is, I quote from the Mayo Clinic's website. They say we cannot prevent this. You cannot prevent personality disorder, schizophrenia. It needs lifelong treatment. It is incurable. Well, I just gave you examples tonight of people I know who were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. God changed them. And He's still busy changing them like He's changing you and me. We're growing. So I would, I would encourage someone who thinks they've got this, these disorders, go to your doctor and say, please, I first need to eliminate the physical causes. To see that it's not a tumor in my brain or epilepsy or hormone problems, thyroid problems or something else. And once that is done, you go to the Lord. Even if it is a physical problem, you still go to the Lord and you pray to Him and you thank God for medical technology and so on. But if it's not a physical cause, you go to the Lord and you find the solution and you seek the solution in Christ. And you confess your sin. Or if it's not your sin then you forgive the people who have sinned against you as God in Christ has forgiven you and you will see personally, I guarantee this, you will see personally and you will experience personally if you do that. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I've got an example of this of a woman I know, a person I know, who grew up in a home where her father just broke her down all the time. Her brother sexually abused her. And she had a life of about 60 years of depression. And God saved her. And God saved her and changed her. And God gave her the power and the grace to forgive those who had sinned against her. And she too was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. But God changed it all. And today if you meet that person... Her friendliness is contagious. Her friendlikheid is unsteeklik. Can the Lord still do that? Can Jesus still do that? Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He can still do that and I think I just need to close with this. What Peter read to us earlier.
This is the heart of Jesus toward you if you're suffering. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Our Father, blessed be your name for your mercy toward those who are suffering either through their own sin and foolishness or the sins of others against them or maybe just the war inside of the Christian, the flesh and the spirit. Oh Lord, I pray that you would extend your great mercies, your great grace, your forgiveness, your salvation. Pour your love upon them and your goodness and turn their hearts to Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind. Amen.